This is episode 115 of the Creative Giant Show. I'm Charlie Gilkey, and I'm delighted that you've decided to join me for today's episode. Remember MacGyver, the ingenious action-adventure hero from the 80s who was able to do things like disarm bombs with a toothpick, Swiss Army knife, and duct tape? MacGyver was a huge influence on me as a kid, and his creator, Lee Zlotoff, joins me today to discuss the genesis of MacGyver, as well as the MacGyver secret, a simple process that can help you solve your toughest problems. Because who wouldn't want an inner MacGyver solving problems for them? Ready? Let's do this. Welcome to the Creative Giant Show, where we go behind the scenes about what it means to live a life full of creative and professional success. Creative giants are talented, renaissance souls with a compassion-fueled bias towards action. Now, here is your host, Charlie Gilkey. Okay, Creative Giants, I'm delighted to introduce you to Lee Zlotoff. Lee is an award-winning writer, producer, and director of film and television with over 100 primetime credits to his name. Among his more notable creations is the iconic MacGyver TV series that has continued to run around the world for over 30 years since its debut in 1985 and is now returning in a new MacGyver series on CBS and an upcoming feature film from Lionsgate Studios. Lee is also a recipient of the coveted Audience Award from the Sundance Film Festival for his film The Spitfire Grill, which has gone on to become a highly successful musical. Lee is a graduate of St. John's College with campuses in Annapolis, Maryland, and Santa Fe, New Mexico, where he served on the board of directors for over a decade, is now a member of the President's Council. Committed to supporting those who strive to improve global futures and outcomes, Lee is also the founder and director of the MacGyver Foundation, which receives a portion of the proceeds from every MacGyver project. Lee, thanks so much for creating MacGyver, but also for joining me on the show today. It's a pleasure, Charlie. All right. Now, um, you know, it's embarrassing enough to be an 80s kid in a way. But when I look back at sort of my early inspirations, they came from like MacGyver and quite honestly, Optimus Prime. Right. Um, from from sort of that that age of things. Right. So that kind of dates me. But, um, you know, I was really interested when preparing for the show to actually think about the or to have you tell us about the genesis of MacGyver himself. At the time, we had. Um, big strong guys like Sly Stallone and we had Arnold Schwarzenegger and then maybe we had um, Indiana Jones over there um, as um, as different heroes but MacGyver fell in this interesting niche as far as inspirational heroes go tell us a little bit more about that well you know I find that sometimes the biggest changes start with the simplest of questions, okay? And there's a whole backstory to how MacGyver got created, which which your listeners can find on MacGyverGlobal.com because I lay out the whole story from beginning to end because not uncommon, a lot of people ask me that question, like how did that come about? But I think really the most interesting thing <clears throat> is we looked at, you know, here I was being asked to create this action adventure hero. And we just looked at this one simple question was, what if he doesn't have a gun? And if you just take the gun away, suddenly a whole thing changes in that, well, if he doesn't use a gun, how's he going to solve the problems? How's he going to overcome the bad guys? How's he going to do all the things he has to do? And suddenly that opened up a whole universe of possibilities simply by saying, what if he doesn't have a gun like every other action hero in the world? And consequently, 
the character really kind of emerged and developed from that really simple question. So suppose our guy has nothing. Suppose this secret day, unlike James Bond, who got all those cool toys and Indiana Jones had the gun and the whip and the fedora, you know, and we said, suppose this guy has absolutely nothing. What happens then? And it's like, well, he's going to have to use his mind to figure out what's available to him and how to put it together to solve whatever, you know, challenge or obstacle he's facing. And from there, you know, everything just kind of rolled into this character that has obviously now become like a global mem. I mean, it's verb in the dictionary, <laughs> which I never saw coming, you know, but, but it just created that mindset of what if you had to look at things entirely differently? Alrighty. So, it's interesting because a lot of times when we're thinking about how to be more creative, I think a lot of novices will want to add a bunch of things to the mix, right? Um, they want to add all of their options, but it seems that actually the biggest insight that led to MacGyver was the constraint of not having this sort of standard thing. And like, what if they had nothing, which is, um, you know, we might get into this when it comes to the MacGyver secret, but I think it's one of those things where it's the elimination of things oftentimes is what leads to insight, not the addition of things. I, I completely agree because, as you say, our tendency is to just always throw in more and, and usually end up you know, with a kind of mishmash of things where it's neither fish nor fowl. And sometimes the most effective approach is to take a step back and go, how do we reduce this to its simplest possible component? And then go from there as opposed to, you know, let's just put fins on it and flashing lights and a siren. And then, you know, then you got an ambulance, but you don't necessarily have something new and fresh, you know. Precisely. And so, you know, what, what really came up to me is like MacGyver plays the modern day wizard in a lot of ways. Right. The, not the not the brawler, not the thief, not the rogue or any of those, but just that modern day wizard that just with his mind is able to come up with these ingenious solutions and go about changing the world. So, um, you know, one of the reasons I was really excited about this particular episode is so many of our listeners are like that in a way where they just want to use their mind and their heart to come up with a solution that makes the world better. Um, and a lot of times we are playing with, without the gun as it were. And so, uh, MacGyver, um, Went off air in 92, still influenced millions of people around the world. What have you been doing in the meantime between MacGyver and now? Well, let me correct you. MacGyver stopped running its original series in 92. Correct. It has run continuously around the world for more than the last 30 years. And I know this because when I would travel around the world on other projects, MacGyver was always on television. <laughs> Thanks for so, the correction there. New you know, so it's, it's, yeah. it, it, they did stop making new episodes then. And if, obviously now they're making a whole brand new MacGyver TV series, which will debut this Friday, I think. Um, but, but, uh, as far as what I've been doing, I've worked on a number of other series. I've worked on a, on a bunch of movies. Um, so there's been lots of things that I've been doing. But part of what I've been doing is also working to slowly but surely bring MacGyver back in a number of forms. So we did uh, a comic book series that became a graphic novel. We had a mobile app game out there. And, and now, you know, that sort of led to uh, things involving with the MacGyver Foundation 
And we started to do a number of projects with that. One was what was called the next MacGyver competition, was a global script competition. And I think that in part began to inspire, you know, both Lionsgate and CBS to want to do a new TV series and now a new feature film. And at the same time, I was beginning to develop the MacGyver secret. So for me, MacGyver has kind of been a mission um, in addition to, you know, doing other Hollywood projects. But, but I have, you know, four grown children and I have four grandchildren. And when I looked ahead, I went, you know, this is a critical century because if we get this century right, civilization has a future. We don't get this century right. That's not a given necessarily. And I thought, you know, MacGyver really offers some great management tools for this century. Number one, don't pick up a gun, avoid conflict, because in all likelihood, conflict just leads to more conflict. Doesn't necessarily resolve the problem. And by the way, even if you win, the house is still on fire. You know, number two, that whole sense of how do you turn what you have into what you need? which is something increasingly we're all going to have to do, whether as individuals or as communities or as countries or as a global civilization. There is no country in the world anymore that can say we have all the resources we need. We're going to roll up our borders. Every, everybody else can go to hell. We'll be just fine. That doesn't exist anymore. Like it or not, we're all in this together now. And then the third thing about MacGyver is, you know, no matter how life-threatening or intractable the problem was, he, over, he always had a sense of humor and humility. And I thought, you know, these are great management tools for this century. So if I do nothing else for my grandchildren and their grandchildren, I'm going to try and bring them back and see if more people in the world can be reminded that, you know, when you're in a crisis, take a step back, take a deep breath and say, what would MacGyver do? Because chances are you'll come up with a better solution than picking up a rock or a gun and just starting another war. I'm glad you mentioned the, the broader global context here because, you know, my generation is the first generation whose quality of life is going to be less than our, than our parents, right? And it's one of those things to where our need, what we have is going to be less, but our needs are actually going to be higher. And when you look at some of the global um, scenarios that we're facing between global warming, between nuclear, um, um, nuclear waste, between all the different things that come up from that, right? So we have less, but our needs are higher, which means we need MacGyver even more. Uh, I, I agree. I mean, I think we're in a really interesting time in history where we have enormous technology at our disposal. But now we have to use it to really redistribute resources, not only equitably, but intelligently, you know, and figure out how are we going to make this work for everybody? Because look at the kind of immigrant, you know, immigration problems we're dealing with even now. I mean, more people are immigrants now than in any time since like World War II. And we're about to surpass even those numbers. So you know, we're going to have to really kind of get clever and thoughtful about how we tackle some of these issues. And, you know, let's face it, you're a lot younger than I am, but these are the kinds of questions your generation is facing. So it's not just about how do we make a good living and buy a house and have two cars and, you know, go on vacation. It's how do I make a living and at the same time fix the world? Because if I make a living and I don't fix the world, it's not going to matter at the end. So there's 
a kind of global consciousness that is developing. And to me, MacGyver can play a really interesting part of that. That's fantastic. I'm, I'm dying to talk about the MacGyver secret, but I have one more question about MacGyver, if, you, if oh. you'll entertain me. Okay. All right. So no, um, no disrespect to the new writers of the show and, and, and what's coming up, but if you were to recreate MacGyver today, like redo the show today, you, Lee, what are sort of three things that you think would be big differences as part of the background or as part of the way that MacGyver would go about um, being him? Well, if it was entirely up to me, Number one, I'd make MacGyver a woman. Because if you ask me, would people say, well, what is the one thing you think we can do to fix the world? I'd say, put the women in charge. Because men have been in charge for millennia. And with all due respect to the great things men have done for this globe, we've also led ourselves to a really tricky precipice. Women seem to me have an ability to kind of work cooperatively a lot more easily than men do. Men tend to be, you know, more competitive than cooperative. Granted, that's an oversimplification, but I would say, let's put the women in charge. Give them a shot. What have we got to lose? (laughs) So one, I think, you know, I think I would seriously consider making MacGyver a woman. That's just me. That's not CBS. That's not Lionsgate. I understand. Okay. Two, obviously, there's a whole new level of technology that's come along since, you know, MacGyver debuted in 1985, okay? So that sense of how do you now interrelate with this technology would have to be a big part of MacGyver, um, whatever gender they were, okay? And then again, I think the third thing is, even though MacGyver was always trying to solve problems and do the right thing, I think that sense of global consciousness now would have to really be a part of the character because you just can't, I mean, you simply can't put your head in the sand and ignore that we're all in this together. Everything's connected. You can't just pull the pieces apart and say, well, we'll just take care of our country. It doesn't work that way anymore. I understand why people want to think that way because it's, you know, we're in a scary world and the tendency is to want to close the borders, lock the doors and stay safe. But the truth is, we stay safer by building bridges, by reaching across boundaries, by connecting with people who we think are our enemies. That's the way to safety, not escalating more, you know, conflict, because it's not going to get us anywhere. Thanks so much for that, Lee. Um, now, now I want to watch that show, too. Right. <laughs> so, so, so get on that in all your free time, okay? Hey, stay tuned. <laughs> all right, so let's talk about the, Mac- the MacGyver secret. Well, first, how did you come up with the MacGyver secret? Well, so this was really a function of the fact that when I was writing uh, episodic television way back in the, when dinosaurs roamed the earth, um, you know, we only had three people on staff. These days you write an episodic TV show or an hour TV show. They have eight to 10 people on writing staff. We had three people, which meant I was responsible for every second or third script, whether I had to rewrite a freelancer or bang out the script myself. The tension and the pressure and the stress of trying to come up with creative material under those kinds of deadlines, it was just brutal. And I noticed something strange, namely that the best stuff came to me when I was driving or taking a shower, not when I was sitting at my typewriter. This was before computers. I told you it was the dinosaur age. Okay. (laughs) 
And I thought to myself, why is it that the best stuff always comes when I'm driving and taking a shower, not when I'm, quote unquote, racking my brain trying to write a script or a story? So I thought about this for a long while. And it occurred to me that when I drive or take a shower, just like everybody else, my conscious mind, or what I call the hamster wheel of thoughts that kind of rattles in our head all day long from the minute we wake up to the minute we go to sleep, it's busy because driving, you have to kind of pay attention to what you're doing. Even if it's second nature, the same is true in the shower. You kind of have to pay attention to what you're doing, even though you shower the exact same way every day. I mean, people don't get creative in the shower in the sense of, I think I'll shower differently today. We all do it as a kind of routine, but but you really have to kind of pay attention. You don't want to get, you know, soap in your eyes or water up your nose. You don't want to slip and fall. And I thought, so somehow when that hamster wheel of mine is busy, that allows some other part of me, which I now call my inner MacGyver. Some people refer to as the subconscious. Okay. It allowed that to come up with much better stuff than that hamster wheel. So I thought, okay, is there a way to kind of recreate that without always having to jump in a car and go looking for a shower? Because I did that in Hollywood too, which, you know, had some kind of blowback because they think, why is this guy always leaving the office and coming back freshly showered? I mean, is he a drug dealer? Is he, you know, is he, <laughs> is he a little fario? Is he screwing everybody in town? I mean, the good news was so long as the scripts came in on time, they didn't care. But, but and so I said, wait a minute. Is there some way to reproduce the effect of driving and taking a shower without having to do those things? And the answer was yes. And that's when I really discovered the MacGyver secret. And I practiced this and I experimented with it. And it was really about the time that I was writing the script for MacGyver that those pieces fell into place. And that's why I decided to call it the MacGyver secret. So here's the bottom line. The secret is everybody has that same capability. Everybody has an inner MacGyver that is great at solving problems. Most of us just don't know how to access it. And in the MacGyver secret, in really three basic simple steps, I can teach you how to build a hotline directly to your inner MacGyver, which is infinitely better at solving problems than that hamster wheel will be on its best day. Yeah, it, it reminds me of the missing keys effect. You know, like when you're missing your keys and you're running around the house and you're like, where did I put the keys? Where did I put the keys? Where did I put the keys? And then you finally give up and you find the keys. Right? Yeah. That's exactly right. So if, if when you're missing the keys, if you stopped, for instance, and went, okay, my inner MacGyver, my subconscious knows where those keys are. So let me just stop for a minute and think, I'll wash a couple dishes, you know, I'll get dressed, I'll brush my teeth. And by the time I'm done doing that, I'll remember where my keys are. Nine times out of 10, you will remember where your keys are rather than where are they? Where are they? Where are they? You know, because then you're almost kind of in panic mode. And actually that blocks that inner MacGyver from really giving you the information you want. The information is there. You know where those keys are. But you're so freaked out that you can't remember that you can't find them. All right. So let's go through the three steps. Sure. The three simple steps to this are, number one, you have a question or a problem. You want to write it down. And by the way, 
it's better if you write it in longhand than if you type it into a computer or a tablet or a cell phone. That'll still work, but the science shows us, and you know, in the MacGyver Secret book, we have all the science behind this stuff. The science shows you that actually when you write it by hand, for some reason, it goes deeper into the brain and it's like hits those neural pathways on a different level. So if at all possible, you write that problem down in longhand. And then you say to yourself, in this case, you say to your inner MacGyver, you know what? Here's the problem. I just wrote it down. I'm going to hand it to you and then I'm going to get out of the way. And you're going to solve it. And when I come back, you're going to have an answer for me. And then you go do something that you either enjoy doing or have to do anyway, and you don't think about the problem. Literally, you just put it aside and forget about it, okay? Because your subconscious or inner MacGyver has just been tasked by you to solve that problem. So... What are those, some of those activities? Well, in my case, you know, I started with driving and showering. And then I put a workbench in my office and I built models. You know, build the Empire State Building out of paper. Man, I built every monument in the world they had a kit for. I built the Vatican. I built the Taj Mahal. You, I built the Brooklyn Bridge. I mean, who needs a paper model of the Brooklyn Bridge? I didn't need the models. The models just kept my hamster head busy so that my inner MacGyver slash subconscious could be working on the problem. So you do that for a set amount of time, people beginning, I usually say a minimum of an hour to four hours, okay? And again, there's science to support the fact that if you kind of quote unquote incubate longer, you get better answers and better solutions. And after that time, step three, you come back, and again, you say to your subconscious, inner MacGyver, okay, I didn't think about it. I turn it over to you. Time's up. What do you have for me? And then, Charlie, you simply start writing anything. It doesn't matter what you write. You can write the Star Spangled Banner. You can write why you love your boss or why you hate your boss. You can write why your life is great or why your life sucks. It doesn't matter what you start writing. Within 30, 45 seconds at the most, those answers will start to flow from the tip of your pen. Those are the three steps. Now, there's lots of other stuff that goes around that, but basically, that's all you need to know how to do. And on the website, MacGyverSecret.com, there are, there's a free quick start guide you can download, and there's a mini video course you can download, all of which will take you through this in even more detail. But really, that's it. Write your question or problem down, tell your inner MacGyver to work on it, go do something else, come back. Ask your inner MacGyver for the answer and just start writing. And you will be astonished because more often than not, you'll get back an answer that blows you away. I went to the website and I downloaded the PDF. And I noticed that one of the things you said was that there were some activities that actually prevent the incubation process, right? Prevent, prevent you from working on it. So what are those activities? And tell us a little bit more about why you think that is. Sure. There are really four activities that just won't work as what we call incubation activities. Watching TV will not work. Reading will not work. Conversation of any form, whether texting or email or sitting and talking with somebody, 
not a good activity, and playing really intense interactive video games, you know, like first-person shooter games or role-playing games, they won't work as incubation activities. Simple games like Candy Crush, Angry Birds, Pokemon Go, those are all fine for incubation activities, but World of Warcraft or Call of Duty, not going to happen. The reason for that is very simple. When you watch television, you think this is a totally passive activity. There's a story on the screen, and I just got to sit here and watch it. There really is no story on the screen. Those are 30 frames a second of still images and a bunch of disconnected sounds. And the truth is, your subconscious or your inner MacGyver is weaving those together at like light speed to make it a comprehensive whole. So the story is not on the screen. The story is inside of you because it's processing all that disconnected data to make it a smooth, cohesive whole. The same is true when you read. Those are just blotches of ink on white paper. Your subconscious turns them into words, into sentences, into meaning, so forth and so on. So anything that requires you to basically build a world is not a good incubation activity because it's using so much of that subconscious processing that it can't work on your problem. Conversation is the same way. When you're in a conversation, even a text conversation, you're busy interpreting not only what's being said, but as they're saying it, you're forming an answer. Because as soon as that, that text or that the other person stops speaking, you start speaking. Well, the only way that's possible is if you've been preparing an answer deep inside so that the minute they stop speaking, you can start speaking. All that processing uses up basically the enormous potential that you have to solve the problem. So you don't want to do those four activities. No TV, no reading, keep conversation to an absolute minimum and lay off those heavy duty PlayStation, you know, Xbox games, because they're just not going to work as incubation activities. Two things. I'll come back to the second one in a second. Um, what comes up for me is, Lee, I often will take um, digital retreats in the sense where I won't have any computers, I won't have any iPhones, I won't have any of it, and sometimes including music. I won't even have that, right? That I'm not playing myself, right? And the remarkable thing is um, if you have a day where you're completely unplugged and you get up at your normal time, by the time you get to about 11 o'clock, it feels like what is going on? Like you feel like you've had a whole day, right? Of just like, Oh, what am I doing? I still have the whole day left. And then part of what's going on is exactly as you said, your mind's not piecing together all of this information to create something. Your mind's been on hyperdrive the whole time. Right. And we don't recognize that because we're so attached to all the digital devices. Right. That's absolutely correct. We are, we are completely overloaded by stimulation and all the processing required to manage that, you know, really crush of information. And so, you know, the activities we tend to recommend can be anything from doing a crossword puzzle or a Sudoku to going for a walk, going for a jog, any of those physical activities, you know, are great. You can cook, you can garden, you can knit, you can, I mean, the list is almost endless of things you can do. You just want something that's slightly physical, 
totally unimaginative and is going to require you to pay attention to what you're doing so that that noise that we're constantly processing is just not happening. Okay. And you can listen to music. It's not, you know, it's, it's not that, but you don't want to be sitting at your computer unless you're playing a really simple game, you know, and in general, it's good to do something physical. Um, again, even even if that's just filling in the you know the squares in a crossword puzzle or research, believe it or not, shows that word search problems are awesome for this because you know the answer is there. You just got to keep going all up and down and crosswise on those letters to find it. So there are lots and lots of you know great activities you can do, but you're right. You got to kind of shut that noise off because. Your brain, your subconscious, your inner MacGyver is working overtime to process all that information. And it's not going to be able to solve a problem for you if it's too busy doing that. So, so we've talked about the type of um, activities that will tend to short circuit the incubation process. But what else might prevent us from really um, using this method to work for us? Well, the trickiest part is trusting that your deeper self has answers for you. You know, we're so used to, we've all been taught to solve problems in a certain way. You go to school, they give you information, they put a test in front of you and they go, show me that you can solve this problem, okay? We're not taught to reach into our deeper parts, the subconscious, your inner MacGyver, your higher self, whatever you want to call it, doesn't really matter what you call it, okay? We're not taught to use those parts of ourselves to solve problems. We're taught to pull it all off the quote-unquote top of our head, okay? Well, it turns out the top of your head is not particularly good at solving problems. It's good at identifying problems, and it's really good at evaluating solutions. It's just not very good at coming up with them. And so really the trickiest part of all this is, recognizing that there's a better way to solve problems and kind of allowing yourself to let go, trust that there's a better answer waiting inside of you and allow it to happen. Because we're so anxious most of the time and think, well, if I don't have the answer right now, how do I know I'm ever going to come up with it? You know, and that anxiety, again, it just gets in the way. So, Relearning the way that you can solve problems and understanding that there are better resources inside of you, that's a relatively new notion for a lot of people. You know, with anything new, it takes a little while to, you know, to A, accept it, B, try it, and D, believe it, you know? I think I skipped C, doesn't matter. (laughs) Doesn't matter, it's in there somewhere, we'll find it. Uh, so this seems like a really great activity when it comes to, you know, business problems and work problems and just sort of those types of problems. But in your experience, how well does it work with the actual like personal emotional problems that you might come up with? It works really well with those, but it works slightly differently than with, you know, solving a technical problem or a creative problem or a work problem. One of the things that our subconscious or inner MacGyver is designed to do is to keep emotionally charged and painful things kind of out of our way. Because if you had to basically think about every painful experience that ever happened to you 
and it was there in the front of your mind, you would not be able to function. You'd just be a basket case. So any problem like, okay, why is there an issue with my weight? Why am I so unhappy all the time? Why can't I make a romantic relationship work? All those kinds of things. When there's a lot of emotional baggage around a particular question, usually have to ask your inner MacGyver more than once. Because the first time you ask, it's going to go, hey, you know, I've been working to keep this out of your face. So are you sure you really want to talk about this? And if you ask it again, then it says, okay, I guess we are ready to look at this. And it will give you those answers. It may take a little longer. So where normally you'd get back, you know, an answer to a creative or a technical problem, maybe in a couple hours or a day at the most, emotional stuff, it can take a couple of days. It can take a week. Sometimes it can take a little longer. But I guarantee you, if you keep asking that question, sooner or later, it's going to come back to you with, unbelievably clear and honest answers about what's really going on and where you need to take that problem because your subconscious is yours it's trying to help you it's not at war with you it wants to get you to the place you want to be most of the time we're just not listening to it so if you give it a chance you know and just take a breath be patient it will answer those personal problems as well. And I have not only my own experiences, but now I've taught this to hundreds of people. And I've got lots of people who have come back to me and said, it took a week. It took two weeks in, from the day when I asked the question for the first time. But damn, if I wasn't walking down the street and boom, like out of the blue, the answer came to me. And I knew that was what I needed to do with this problem. What comes up for me, Lee, is that um, I've been listening to far many, uh, far too many audiobooks on economic development. But one thing that comes up for me is that, well, besides that, um, is that we've somehow gotten it ourselves into this idea that we're like robots in the sense where we can turn our brain on, it works a certain way, and then we turn it off and it stops working, right? And a lot of times where we come up with these technical, personal work, you know, even personal problems, right? They're, at, they're when we're on the clock, as it were. And we expect to be able to produce in the same way as if we were stacking bricks, like you just put one brick over. But really, that's not the way it works, right? It really works that we're always, this inner MacGyver is always with you, um, whether you want him to be on the clock or not. It's just, it seems like this is a deliberate process by which you actually activate him rather than, um, or her. Let's go with her since we're talking about the modern version, right? You act activate her. It doesn't have a sex, actually. It doesn't matter what sex you are. Your subconscious doesn't really have a sex. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, but but I hear what you're saying, and and yes, okay. The the fact is that part of your mind is going twenty four seven. It never shuts down. This is why you dream at night because. It's actually trying to communicate with you or at least process, I think, all the stimulation of your day and kind of match it up to all the stuff of your experiences and go, okay, let me see if I can make sense of this. And of course, it's always in these usually sort of bizarre story forms, right? But it's there all the time and it's going all the time. And the trick with, or I should say, the beauty of the MacGyver's secret is that once you begin to develop a dialogue with that part so you can communicate directly with it, so 
we have, all of us, this ongoing passive dialogue with that subconscious inner MacGyver part of ourselves. We're just obviously not aware of it, okay? What the secret allows you to do is develop an active dialogue with it. So now you are communicating with the deeper parts of yourself on a regular basis. Now, it works a little differently for everybody. Some people, it's like, it's better if I ask those questions first thing in the morning and come back either late in the afternoon or the evening for the answers. Some people, is it's better if I write the answers at night just before I go to bed, and then I ask to them, you know, first thing in the morning. Because the truth is, sleep can be one of the activities you use. It's not the best activity because the transition from sleeping to waking is actually kind of traumatic, traumatic for your conscious mind. And so we've all had the experience where you have this really crazy intense dream and then you wake up and there's somebody there and you go, wow, man, I had the most mind blowing dream. And they go, what was it? And you start to talk and suddenly it just evaporates. All right. Well, that's because your conscious mind has taken over and it just sort of pushes all that stuff out of the way. So, but with a little practice, you can even use napping and sleeping as those incubation activities because as you say, that part of you is going all the time. It never shuts down. And you can use that to your advantage rather than it's being a problem for you. So, so the claim here is that everyone has an inner MacGyver and they can use this, right? So I think people may not have experience using it. So I'm going to ask you to issue let's call it a challenge or an invitation or something like that so that people who are listening to this will take action on it today. I had sure. to propose that to you. What would you, propose, what would you um, put out there for them? Well, the first thing I'd suggest is that they go to the MacGyverSecret.com website because it's laid out in a lot more detail there and explained even more clearly than I think I've been explaining it to you. Um, but start with the understanding that you have – enormous resources inside of you at your disposal. Just start with that thought. What if I have a MacGyver inside of me or something like a MacGyver that could really help me solve almost anything if I just knew how to get to it? Just that thought alone can start you on a path, whether it's with the MacGyver secret or some other form, to go, how do I get access to that deeper power, to that greater capability that I'm not really using because everybody has it. I mean, everybody has it, you know? It may take some refinement and some experimentation for you to find the best way to get in touch with it, but I guarantee you it's in there. And all you need to do is start with that notion that you really mean I have a better way to solve any problem that I face? And the answer is, yes, you do. And it's like, okay, what journey is that going to set off? And where am I going to end up if I follow that thread? So that's what I would really kind of issue as a challenge. It's like, think about that for a moment and ask yourself if, if that's a real possibility. Because we all talk about having a gut instinct you know, or some people being kind of really kind of present. That's all we're talking about is knowing how to get to that sort of deeper information, that better problem solving ability, and those truths that you just can't necessarily see with that hamster wheel that's processing all that noise all day long. 
You may have just answered this question, but I've got to ask it anyways. If people remember nothing else about you and your body of work from this episode, what would you want it to be? Whoa. Okay. I guess I would say it goes back to that question. When you find yourself in a tough situation, stop, take a breath, smile if you can, and say, what would MacGyver do? Because chances are that's going to lead you to a better solution than anything else. What would MacGyver do? Because you know the first thing you do is look around and go, what do I have in front of me to solve this problem? And how can I put those resources together in some unique or innovative way to change the whole dynamic or narrative of this story? So if I leave people with nothing else, that question is the question I would want them to have, which is, what would MacGyver do? Lee, thanks so much for joining me today on the show. Charlie, it was an absolute pleasure, and I appreciate your having me on. Okay, Creative Giants, so you heard it from Lee. What would MacGyver do to take what you have to get what you need in whatever problem that you're currently facing today? Think about that. Really believe that there is an inner MacGyver there. And until next time, stand tall. If you like this episode, you might also like episode 68 with Todd Cashton. If you're digging the Creative Giant Show, I'd really appreciate it if you'd leave a rating or review on iTunes. If you're not familiar with how to do this, there's a walkthrough available on the podcast page on ProductiveFlourishing.com. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Creative Giant Show. To find more tools and inspiration for creative giants, head on over to ProductiveFlourishing.com. Stand tall, Creative Giant.